Right then, welcome or welcome back to the Midnight Podcast, where we have super in-depth, authentic, super transparent, open conversations with an array of different entrepreneurs from many different industries. I really want to make this a podcast known for going super in-depth on loads of topics that other podcasts are scared to speak about. I feel like most stuff out there these days is just super surface level, super vanilla, and doesn't really answer the questions that viewers and listeners want to hear. So that's what we're trying to do. Keep it real and keep it raw. I'm sure you'll get a huge amount of value listening or watching the pod wherever you are. And if you do, don't forget to subscribe, recommend it to a friend, leave a like and a comment and just let us know what you think. And yeah, really hope you enjoy this episode. Right then, we're back with, I was going to say episode 34, but I'm not actually sure. It's like 32 or 33 of the Midnight Pod and it's getting a bit bright because it's coming into summer. So the Midnight Pod is soon going to be the fucking daytime pod because we generally record these at like 7pm. And we have Kim Sane, who is a very interesting character. Apparently your first pod you've ever done. First pod, yep. I met you probably like a lot of people that have been on this pod through friends of friends of friends and then you become friends and then it's a very small fucking world in this like whole entrepreneurial musician sphere which I guess you're kind of both of which we can dive into but um yeah super interesting character I, I was again I don't do my research or guests usually I just try and have like a legitimate conversation put it on camera and it seems to seems to work but first question as usual we'll dive into loads of shit it's just who are you what do you do what's your background and yeah we can try and keep it like chronological I guess from like when you started getting into the shit you do now because it's a fucking interesting life <laughs> I'm sort of trying to piece together how um, you manage all the shit you do yeah it's been it's been a ride uh, until now um, yeah so like I, I was born in Montreal in Canada so I've always been a really international kid because uh, like you know my parents travelled a lot got um, accent yeah my, my, my accent is really weird it changes when I speak to someone in English it's got yeah. a British accent and then when it's like I was speaking to someone like who's from America I've got an American accent yeah um, but yeah I was born in Canada um, I left there when I was like three years old uh, I arrived in the UK and uh, yeah just like you know like you know, normal childhood and everything um, you know went to really good schools and then like uh, I traveled to like I lived in Paris Hong Kong and, and different places mm. like really getting that international culture um it really helped me, like, you know, connect with a lot of people really easily because I was, you know, always, you know, I knew a lot of new stuff really fast and how to adapt to people and adapt to different situations. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, my journey. So, I mean, I started with music at first. That was my whole entrepreneurial journey. Mm. Um, and it was at school. I was like, I think it was like 15, 16. And I discovered like Dead Mouse for the first time. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, classic. And uh, mate, like I love that song Strobe. I got into like you know yeah, track music really that. fast. Such a track. It was such a long track as well. It was like eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. You know, classic. and uh, you know, classic journey and everything. Yeah. And then um, from there on, I really got to like learn about you know what was music. Started actually you know like you know playing the guitar, piano, just mm. trying to really immerse myself not only from electronic music but from a classical kind of like music side. Um, so I did that, played in a few bands, you know, and then Super the whole electronic me. thing really got into play uh, when I fought, bought these pair of decks, you know. And what happened was that, like, I don't know if you remember, but like, you know, back in the days, you had, you had the iPod. Yeah. And like, you had to like switch songs, and it was really yeah, yeah, annoying. Yeah, fucking hell, time to change quickly. Horrible, right? It's mad. 
And then I was just like, fuck, like, can I just record everything into like one thing, you know, like just mm. a, a podcast, like my own podcast, you know? Yeah. So I bought these decks and I started scratching, trying to put my favorite songs together. It sounded horrible, but I did the job. I had everything in like one hour. So mm. I had to skip through songs, you know? Yeah. Um, so I practiced that a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I went to uni and all the entrepreneurial stuff came out because, you know, when you're starting off to DJ and make music, you need to hustle. Yeah. It's a hard industry, you know? Um, and I nearly wanted to be in a band. Sorry, just to like, it's, it's interesting. It's like fairly similar in yeah. that respect. I think a lot of like entrepreneurs had like some sort of creative outlet, yeah, which was like the initial trigger yeah. for them then like getting on a certain path and getting into like. Right then, you've probably seen or heard me speaking about Space Goods over the past few months. It's a new brand that I've been working on. Essentially the next generation wellness brand and our first product, Remedus version one, is an all-in-one, super powerful daily powder concoction blend designed to unlock your supernatural self, get you into your prime creative state to do your very best work. Experience sharper focus, sustained energy, and a zen-like calm throughout the day. Just like a psychedelic microdose, but it's legal. You're allowed to actually buy it in the UK and across the world. And this is really the first product and the first version of the first product in a much longer vision i think i'm building a brand for an industry that isn't really even there yet it's largely illegal still across the whole world but i think that's massively changing and i really think space goods is going to be positioned as the first uk brand in this space ready for a market that's going to explode so yeah really appreciate if you go check it out rainbow dust version one actual business and shit so yeah it's interesting it, it's it, I, I, it's I think it's transferable skills you know yeah. you get a really young age um, I mean I was like every sure. kid you know like selling sweets at school like yeah. again that sales like craftsmanship you know adapting to people adapting yeah. to situations um, and then yeah the hustle came in and you know the hustle at the very beginning is you have to like sell like tickets for nightclubs to get your first DJ set and all that kind of stuff mm. So, um, like, I, I did that a lot, and I realized that, like, one of my strong skill sets was sales. Um, I was able to, like, you know, sell a bunch of tickets and all that kind of stuff, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I got my first gigs, and then after you get your first gigs, you have to hustle to, to stay there. You was know, this while you're at uni? Well, I was at, well, well, even before uni, actually. So, when yeah. I started music, I was like 15, 16 at school. Yeah. yeah. So, we used to go out, like, 16 clubbing and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. yeah, getting my first gigs at uni for like half an hour, I was like 16, 17, just yeah. getting into there. And then at uni, it really, you know, pushed um, because I didn't have like the pressure of like school and stuff like that anymore. Mm. Um, and I, I wasn't always like the best student at school. Like I, I was always like a kind of like a doer rather than just a learner. Yeah. Um, and like figuring stuff out, hustling, you know. Um, and I realized today, like that's like my main skill set that got me where I am. Mm. Um, and yeah, at school, I just felt that like sometimes, you know, I was kind of the outcast because I wasn't like the learner. Um, and uh, and yeah, so did that, did music, uh, and then worked in corporate for ages, did investment banking and like, you know, other jobs, SaaS sales, <laughs> you know, really corporate. I went to like, you know, a, a good uni, I went to like, you know, Kent, the Imperial College and stuff like that. Um, but then everything changed for me during the pandemic. Um, I, I got let go from the job. Uh, I mean, you could restructure because of COVID. Um, and uh, it was the first time in my life where I didn't have a plan. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I really didn't have yeah. a plan. Um, I sat there in my room, made tons of music. It was actually the worst kind of situation that could happen to me. Like, um, 
I like the world stopped. There was no more gigs, no more shows. Mm. We were throwing like crazy parties before that. Um, I realized that like, you know, if you're working for someone, it could happen today to another, like a black swan event could like really impact a lot of things. Yeah. Um, my ex, she was like in Belgium. I couldn't go and see her. Mm. Um, and I was just stuck in a room with nothing, you know, like no job or anything like that. And uh, I, I felt really weird, you know, I was just like, what the hell do I do now? Um, and then, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, then like, yeah, from there, I, you know, one of my best friends, Josh helped me out a lot. He's, he's one, like one, like, you know, a great guy for me in terms of like mentoring and just different opportunities and stuff like that. And then things snowboard. I started like an agency that went well, um, a growth marketing agency, then an appointment setting agency. And then, uh, now a PR agency as well. So, so much shit. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Wait, so go back then. Cause that, that was a good intro, but. Where did you go to uni first? You went to Kent. I went. I went to Kent Uni. And what, what um, were you studying? International business. And uh, yeah, I was really lucky to get into. And Kent prior to that, you were just you were just into music. You didn't really have yeah any uh, necessarily business or like uni particularly um, aspirations. Was it was no. it just like I'm going to uni because that's what everyone does? Yeah. yeah. Like man, like I was so crap at school, and like I just need to get the grades. Yeah. I, I was so bad that I repeated like my year twelve. Oh shit, really? <laughs> Which was like... I would not be keen on that. Like, yeah, like I was just messing around so much and people were just like, nah, like he, he did, he had to redo the year 12. That's crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we did it. Like I messed up. Um, at that point, I just knew I wasn't academic, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so but like, a big difference. I've got traditional parents, you know? So I was just like, I got to do this, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't have aspirations to do anything else. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I did, I did my year 13, which was actually mad because I had to redo my year 12 because I actually I forgot to tell you I messed up my year 12 twice but like because I, I, you did it three times I did, I did, I did it tw- twice but like I, they finally let me into year 13 and I still had bad grades for it yeah fuck um, and That's they're like crazy. fuck it they're like just like you know like you know well, well the best case scenario is you have to redo your year 12 in like uh, in January yeah and then do your year 13 in June so like two years in one like mad stuff um, and that went really well <laughs> yeah Came out with like three A's, you know, so like it didn't didn't get that bad. And then um, I got accepted to Kent Uni with a scholarship, which was really crazy at that time um, because I didn't think that would happen. Mm. Um, and I did get like other offers from other unis, but I took Kent because they were the only one that believed in me. <laughs> like, I'm like this guy will probably get the, maybe not get the grades, but we'll just give him a shot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it happened. So they went to uni and then, yeah, the music thing came from there because I had so much free time to really concentrate on it. Yeah. And uh, I came to uni as like the DJ. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. I was like, I'm the DJ. Um, and that worked out really well. Cause like first, first day on campus, oh, he's the DJ, you know, just like yeah, going around stuff. So yeah, did, did that. So it went really well, yeah. So up to that point, like how, how professional would you say the music side of stuff was? I guess like, you making like money from it before you went to uni and stuff. No, no, no. Was no, it more just like you just love the hustle? I playing? love the hustle. I just love the fact that like um, you could rebrand yourself. You can, you know, like like you could really focus on something. Just believe you're there. You know, you know the the the, 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 the law of attraction. Just go. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. there already. I'm, I'm getting there, even though I'm no one. You know, but I just feel so confident about everything, mm. and everything just came like fell into place slowly. It was really hard. Um, but you know, after a while, like, uh, you know, I realized that I didn't know I was an entrepreneur until I realized that like, um, I had to pull a lot of strings to get things happening, you know? Mm. And, uh, 
like gigs was one thing and then I realized that I, even, I wanted to do my own events so I started like throwing like loads of parties and events getting people together managing people doing finances you know but I never took it as a business I yeah. really took it as a business I, that was just all fun for me really yeah yeah and so. how often were you spending more time doing this while at uni than you were obviously uni work I assume yeah, yeah that was like your passion yeah yeah definitely yeah I was smashing out uni work but like pff, no music was like all of it from the beginning I mean some people could tell me like now where I am like, do you not regret doing this earlier and I was like no Yo, fellas, quick one. First bit of promo for the pod. You may or may not have heard, I released a fucking e-com course a few months ago. Basically spent like six months making it because I was in between businesses, as you probably know, if you follow my shit. I must say, 12 hours long, it's fucking quality content. I was gonna drop it at like 1,500 quid with some bullshit guru-y webinar and all that rubbish, but as you know, it's not my main thing. I'm working on a new brand right now, very, very fucking much in the trenches, which is why I think it's actually a better course than everything else out there because it's built on real experience of my brands in the past and my current one. I think it's super, super valuable. If you're interested in e-com, you're already in e-com and you want to get into ecom zero to one starting a brand from scratch then definitely worth investing in link is in the bio of this video or podcast spotify apple music wherever the fuck you're listening or watching and enjoy the rest of the pod yeah because yeah, like like everything like for me right now has accelerated so fast going from like zero to 25 employees in a year and people are like you could have done that like at uni and not done uni in general mm. you know um but i was like no i enjoyed every bit of it you know like yeah the the, the music the, the late nights working and everything yeah yeah so you get to the end of uni because you mentioned you were like in corporate jobs and shit which is something else i didn't know so you finish uni where are you at like how's the music going how did uni go was there a plan in place or did you just jump into something you didn't want to do so like like i live like a really weird life (laughs) yeah this is what i'm I'm, (laughs) I'm figuring out there's a lot of moving parts here so weird like weird stuff so it's still everything like uni was like kind of the pivoting point for me i learned a lot of stuff and that's why i don't regret it um yeah so what happened in like at uni (laughs) was like in second year you got to do this like year in industry thing or like year abroad Mm. i wanted to extend my stay at uni as like as long as possible stay Um, on session Right, right, like, yeah. and uh, I was just like, I'll do a year in industry because, like, I was going to prove myself that I could get a job before getting a job, mm. and uh, it was such a shit show, like, so messy. I applied um, for so much stuff. There was like so much competition. Like, I applied for Disney, got the final to the final round, didn't get it. Um, I was actually gonna give up, um, but my 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 best mate Julian, he was getting an internship anyway, and I was like, you know, yeah. I want to be with him for my final year. So then I got this like digital marketing job in the buttfuck of nowhere, like like in Kent, like in, I forgot where it was, like Maidstone or Ashford. Yeah. Like I, I think I even had to visit, like like I visited the house just with my parents just before like doing the internship, and it was like I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be here for a year, like fuck that. Yeah. So I go back um, to France and I meet with like one of my really good friends called Marion, and like she she works as an HR in this French investment bank. She was like, oh, there's this like new intern position in global transaction banking, you know. It's part of like, you know, the, the global transaction banking, investment banking division, whatever it is, you know? Mm. And she was like, you should apply for it. <laughs> I was just like- This was your, your, your year in industry while at uni or after This uni? is year, while I was at uni. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> it was really funny because like, she was like, yeah, you could, you know, show you what corporate life is all about. And mm. I was like, this is the shot to try out corporate, how it's going to be like, you know? Yeah. So obviously I applied and my interview was terrible. Like, mm. I think on the first call, like I was just like, do you know anything about investment banking? And I was like, I know something about accounting. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just like, nope. Um, and he was like, how many languages do you speak? I was like, oh, I speak French, English, you know, Vietnamese, fluently. And he was well, you like, speak oh. Three, you speak three languages? Yeah, yeah, I speak oh, three shit. languages, yeah. Um, never been my strong point. <laughs> but it's really weird because I never thought it was a strong point, you know? I just, I was natural for me and everything until... 
Like they, I, I did that interview and then she called me up and she's like, do you pass it? And I was like, no way past that interview. Like, mm. you know, what are you talking about? Anyway, I got to the second round randomly, asked me a bunch of few questions. And then I went to Thailand to like play music and be out with my friends and everything. And then before I went out, like I got, I was accepted for the internship. And I was like, what? You know, like, I can't believe it, me investment banking, this is crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, so I go out there and um, like, I, I, the first day there, corporate, you know, wearing a suit. I loved it. It was nice, you know, mm. like yeah, yeah. good food, good people, smart people, you know. Yeah. But the job was like the lifestyle. The lifestyle was great, but the job was just like phew, I hated it. I was just like at this point, I remember I was just like analytical jobs not for me, mm. you know. Um, and that started my journey of thinking about you know I should really think about what I'm really good at, which is yeah. sales, you know. Um, but then what really opened my eye during that part was <laughs> so at uni you got one year in terms of your, your, your year in industry. And if you do six months, it doesn't count. So you, oh, you mess up the whole entire year. And yeah. in France, the internships are only six months, right? Wow. So the woman was just like, if you take this internship, you have to find internship whilst in your internship. So, so you have to do two to fill up the year? Yeah, right. but, yeah, but yeah. The, the internship I had in the UK was one year, so <laughs> I, I was chilled, you know? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was like, do you really want to risk this? <laughs> and I was just like, it is banking, you know, like, yeah. oh, this is like my dream. I want to try it out, you know? So um, I did it and during my internship, I had to hustle for another internship. Right. Um, and the craziest thing happened, like um, uh, I hustled, again, power of hustling. And this is where I realized like, my, 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 like, I'm really good at speaking to people as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know how this happened, but I landed like two internal interviews in the bank for a position in Wall Street and Hong Kong. Oh, fucking hell. Like, it's <laughs> so random. <laughs> Did, did you want to be in banking? You, you mentioned just then, like banking, it was your dream, whatever. Was that just like family pressure or did you actually genuinely want to be in banking? Cause it sounds my, like you didn't want to be in banking, but you said you did. It was my entourage. Like, you know, like, like where I was, where I grew up, it was always the same you know, route in terms yeah. of like good education, good mm, degree. Traditional. Traditional, really traditional, like consulting, investment banking kind of background. And yeah. I was never that guy. I was never that guy, but when the shot came, you know, going like the, the opportunities there, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I am that guy, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. let's try it out, you know? I feel like everyone watches Wolf of Wall Street. Or I certainly did when I was, I don't know, 18 at the time. And I, and I went through a period of wanting to be like in banking. Yeah. And then I did an internship in Mayfair, which I've spoken about on this pod before when I was like 19 and then realized over six months, I never fucking want to wear a suit ever again. <laughs> yeah. And then I went down the, the e-com entrepreneurial, more creative route. Yeah. Sounds like you had a similar revelation to some extent. Yeah, literally, literally like, but that's the thing, right? Like a lot of people kind of like skip it, but you know, I'm the type of guy where I'm like, try it out. Yeah. If it's not good, get out of it, mm. but try it out like deep as you can. Rather than don't try it. Exactly. Don't try anything. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm the type of guy, like I'm a very happy guy. I, I obviously I, I've like, I'm like everyone. I've got emotions, I've got FOMO and everything, but I learned from my mistakes and it's mm. always like, oh, that happened. So what, you know, I learned from it, you know? Um, and banking was like, it was crazy because um, like the job itself was like hard. It wasn't really interesting, by the way, really, really interesting. You know, dealing with like any other banks, talking to, you know, uh, you know really, really important people, mm. you know, um, you know, investment banking is crazy. You know, there was compliance, you know, KYC, all that kind of stuff, you know, like yeah. um, it was really interesting. But the problem with investment banking is that like when you start working there as an analyst, um, and banking generally, any sort of like, you know, um, financial institution, you, you start really like at the bottom, yeah. right? Because you have to be an analyst, understand Very how everything hierarchical. works. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and because of that, like, um, 
I, I didn't want to, I was, I'm a fast guy, you know, <laughs> I was just, mm. this is too slow for me. But anyway, so I, I, I got those two, you know, those two opportunities. Um, I, I, I got the Hong Kong one at the end. Um, random story, like a lot of random stuff happens to me, but I don't know, like I, I passed the interview somehow and then they got, they sent me there yeah. and I got to Hong Kong. And so you went from France to Hong Kong? To Paris, to Hong Kong, right. doing the internship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I somehow bagged it in, you know, going like, what, what is going on? Um, I got there and wow, like completely, you know, complete change of scenery. Yeah, I've been there a few times. Cool place. Crazy stuff. 2014, you know, so it was the time where like, you know, thing was popping, you know, thing were popping, like, you know, everything yeah. was popping hard. And like, um, what we did was we, I go out there, you know, and um, one of my really good friends, Gaëtan, had a really good friend out there who's like a DJ as well. Mm. I didn't go out there thinking about DJing music, what, wherever it is. I went out there yeah, going I like- I feel like the whole DJ thing and then wanted to be in investment banking are polar opposites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe there's some synergies. But um, but that's interesting. No, polar opposites completely. If like even at the bank, they were just like, "What the hell?" <laughs> you know, like yeah. Um, actually, during that time, during my first internship, I was doing a lot of shows as well. Um, like really big shows. I was starting to getting, you know, getting, you know, like in Paris. People. In Paris, yeah, that's yeah. Sick. Played at like one of the biggest like student electronic festivals, like four, five, four, five k people. Yeah. And like while I was doing the internship at the same time, but so like the music was getting there, you know, mm. it, like like you know first second year now doing this and everything, and then getting to to Hong Kong. I got there and I was just like, um, let's work. Let's focus on work mm. because now I'm in Hong Kong, like it's getting really serious. And if I do well, I probably will land a job here in Hong Kong, like the dream city yeah. as an analyst, you know? Um, and I was like, let's focus. So I got there, started work, you know, it was insane. I, I worked in the ICC tower, yeah, like crazy. I think it's the tallest building in, in Asia or something like that. Like yeah, yeah. crazy yeah, huge, I've seen it. like a uh, 74th floor. Like I went to the, the, the cafeteria and I was just like, what the hell's going on? You know, yeah. this is crazy. It's like a simulation out there, Hong Kong, I swear. It's crazy, right? It's a cool like, place. Dude, the, you know the craziest thing about the places, they're so advanced. Like, to, like from the ICC tower to the airport, you literally take an elevator from the 74th floor where it was all the way down to the to the yeah. train station, check in your bags there, go into the train half an hour to the airport and you're off. Like That's at, mad. At one point, at no point you were outside. <laughs> like, yeah, it's crazy. Hong Kong to me feels like, because I've been like Singapore and other places in Asia, it feels like kind of London in Asia. Yeah. It's like a, a very West, obviously it is like, it's, it was Western occupied, right? Yeah. Like officially in, until recently yeah am I right I don't, my history is very crap it is, yeah. it is it, it is. feels a lot more western than like Singapore for example yeah I could definitely live in Hong Kong more than Singapore my uncle actually lives in Hong Kong yeah um, it's crazy yeah it's a cool place so were you still working on the music like thinking I want to make music work or was that just like a hobby because obviously you were always doing a, a lot hobby. of it always a hobby but did you never even think I could do this like as a career like I did a like it did come like during the pandemic when like I lost everything I started playing actually pre-pandemic yeah. actually there's a lot of stuff going on but pre-pandemic I was doing that as well I was, I was doing it full time for like yeah. six seven months but at that point still not because I was such an, a great opportunity compared to everyone else like you know mm -hmm. I'm here you know I've got this analyst role like this is great you know so at that point the focus was always on work yeah. and also like you know no big opportunities came you know but then the big opportunity came and that's where everything changed in Hong Kong so right. when my mate um, that I met through my other mate, um, he told me that like Hong Kong was like dead for like raves and techno parties and stuff like that, you know? And at that point I was, I was starting to get into the techno scene really slowly, but he literally showed me everything about the techno scene. And um, through series of like random conversations, like, this is not Europe, right? Like if you go to Europe and you speak to a club manager, they probably like laugh at you. 
who are you, you know? Yeah. Whereas in Hong Kong, I didn't realize it, but like, it's full of expats. Well, I mean, I realized when I got there, but I didn't realize everything before I got mm. there, you know? And because it was full of expats, if like, you tell the club owner, you're going to bring a bunch of white guys, you know, coming in, he's like, hell yeah. Because the Asian kids love it. Like, you know, yeah, just like- interesting. It's a mixture of everything, you know? Yeah. And they love like mixing everything up. And like, yeah, yeah, let's do a party. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, you can have this club. Um, it was like a small basement, you know? Yeah. And then um, I was just like, okay, let's do it, you know? So bam, like with a guy, uh, my other ex that was there, me and uh, from my friends. Yeah. All, all these exes coming up. <laughs> uh, my friend Derry, like crazy photographer. Now he's killing in Hong Kong, by the way. But all four of us, just like a small crew, mm. got together and we threw like a, a party called Taganat, which is like day and night. Um, and yeah. the first party we did, um, and this is like my first kind of like events management thing, you know? Yeah. Before that, I did a bit of it. I knew how it worked. I mm. worked in it with other people, but I didn't really lead it. This this one, I was leading it completely. Yeah. With Teva, you know, as, as one of my founders and like, you know, Derry, awesome photography guy, you know, Max, she was like really good, you know, bringing people, speaking to people. It was crazy. It was like, you know, that, mm. the team stuff, you know, I was at war, yeah. you know? Um, and then, then, you know, we did that party and that one, that was, that was, the funniest party ever. We did it in Hong Kong in the basement. Yeah. At midnight, the owner comes down and he's like, the cops are coming. Oh shit. And I'm right. like, so this is your club, you know? And he's like, yeah, but they're gonna kick everyone out. So I was just like, what do we do? And he's just like, I've got a bigger club opposite the street. So how about you get everyone from this club to the other club? And I was like, you gotta be joking. On the same night? On the same night. Fucking hell. So, so were you, were you playing there? Was, was that the setup? Or did you get other people in to play? No, so like I was playing there like with my crew and like the whole party was down there in yeah. the basement. Um, so we were all managing it. And then we came down, he told us, that I was just like, what do we do? And he just like, well, someone should put the electricity on the other club, you know, like hurry up. Yeah. And then so my friend runs the other club, like switches all the lights on. Yeah, this club is humongous, like huge. It's like yeah. three times the other place. And I was like, why didn't you give this club at the beginning? I swear clubs are bigger in Asia as well. Crazy. I went to one in, in Phuket. Yeah. It was fucking massive. Crazy stuff. Yeah. But then like the guy, I was like, why didn't you give us this club at the beginning? He was just like, well, I didn't realize how many people you were bringing her. Like you just started off. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so was this like a business then? You were actually charging people and obviously like- Yeah, yeah. And shit. Charging it people. Just, like, like free for all. Well, that's the thing that like, when you're at events at the very beginning, you do redo it for the music. You do it for like the people. Yeah. So we weren't like focused on making money. We we're focused more on like, you know, um, let's put some, some good show on, let's play some good music and stuff like that. So I never mm. like treated it like a business. So this is why like everything was really slow for me for the entrepreneurial thing without realizing I was, I was an entrepreneur mm. until I was actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was all for the love of the music. That's why I said music was always been like, you know, I would stay on it forever. Started because, with a creative passion, yeah. Yeah, Start, it, it helped me with all yeah, my transferable skills basically. Um, and yeah, so that party, like, yeah, put the lights on. We transferred, we like, we stopped the music from one club. I yelled yeah. at the microphone like, guys, we yeah, really yeah. have to move now. They're <laughs> just like, what the hell? Like five minutes of awkward silence. <laughs> Literally, and for some reason, we lost half the crowd that went from one club to the other. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. Um, but everyone's in there and then we got out and then at that, like, we finished the night at seven in the morning. We just came out, we were so happy. Everyone went to the peak. Mate, it was, it was insane. And I was there going like, wow, that just happened tonight. You know? And yeah. I was like, what else could happen right now? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that learned me how to adapt to really crazy situations. A long story short, we just threw loads of parties and it went crazy. And like my focus was not in bank banking anymore at all at that point. But you, did you finish the year? In, yeah, in, yeah, in I finished the year, really happy with it. Um, came back for my final year. When I came out for my final year, I knew at that point that like, yeah, corporate stuff, you know, it really wasn't for me. Um, and like 
you know, music, entrepreneurial stuff, creativity, you know, all that stuff, I loved it, you know? And I was mm. just like, how do I get into that again? But I didn't really have a plan, you know? I was always at uni doing stuff at uni my final year. Um, and then, yeah, then what happened was I did my master's at Imperial in innovation, thinking that like, you know, I could like find some co-founders and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, um, it helped a lot actually that that master's course. So, oh, yeah. uh, when you when you went to that master's, though, had you decided that the whole banking thing wasn't for you? Yeah, haven't done the year. Decided completely. I just, but that's the thing, right? Finally, you're supposed to apply for jobs, right? Yeah. I didn't really apply for jobs in my final year. I just decided to. One, I, my plan was to take a year off. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just just think about my life and and travel and like DJ. Like I never took a break in my life, you know. Like I know mm. loads of people took a year break. And I haven't yeah. taken a year break since. Um, and yeah, like what happened was that I was supposed to do that, and then by some incredible like story, I got into Imperial. Um, which like, yeah, it was the most random story ever. Like to study innovation. So innovation, entrepreneurship and management. Right, okay. Yeah. It's a yeah, course yeah. about how to like understand how innovation works, understand new trends, build companies. So useful. Like everything in that course was so useful. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, um, the, the thing of that course that I read it for granted was project management. And like that shit, like when you scale your business, you realize that project management, like never take that for granted. Any entrepreneur out there, never take that for I'm granted. I'm shit at that stuff. Like. I'm not very organized. <laughs> I should probably take that course online or something. So when was this? So 2016, um, 2016, I just finished uni, still not being an entrepreneur, still like figuring out what I was going to do. Um, I, don't, I don't know, it's just like the law of attraction was always there, you know? So what happened was that like in that, on that, during that summer, hmm. um, I was going to have a bang summer, booked that all out, going to Bali, DJing there, you yeah. know? It's going to be sick, you know, like, don't know what I was going to do afterwards. I mean, I applied for a master's at CAS, but I didn't know if I was going to go to it at the end. Um, and then before I left, my dad was just like, you should probably apply for Imperial. Because hmm. like, my dad's dream was always for me to get into Imperial. Um, and I was just like, yeah, like, you know, there's no point. Like, you know, they, they've closed the, the application since January. Yeah. Um, and he was just like, send, send, send an email, you know, I'll pay for like the hundred pound, whatever it is, you know, fee. Um, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. So I sent it off. Uh, I left to Bali. Um, I brought an iPad with me actually that was it you and certainly sound foreign when you say Bali yeah <laughs> that was funny the French twang comes out yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bunch of USB keys playing a few shows and everything and then as I arrived in like I, thought, I think it was KL or Bali or like some, somewhere like that um, I, received, I received an email by Imperial going like oh yeah we want to interview you mm. and I was just like no way I was yeah. like seriously like, you know, like yeah yeah like it's through this app you know um you know, it's gonna be a video video call and everything. And I was like, oh great, you know. So then um I get to Bali, uh, and then like I think it's like twenty four hours before the call. Mm. Probably the most important call of my life. Yeah. You know? Um because literally I didn't know what my plan was afterwards in my life, you know, and I was yeah, like, this could yeah, be yeah. like it. Um and I go on my iPad to download the app for the video thing and it didn't work. And I was like, no way, it doesn't, doesn't adapt to me. What the hell? Yeah. So I run down to like the concierge thing, like the hotel, and I was just like, Yeah, like it's not working. I need a. I need an internet cafe. He laughed at me. He was just like, "Mate, it's 2016. Everyone's got laptops." So yeah. <laughs> like there's the internet cafes here. That's the downside of like. That's one of the only downsides of like the whole traveling thing. If if you get to a situation where you're like, "Oh, we're gonna live in this villa in Bali," and like, and I've been there and done that, but like, and then like the, the internet shit, and it's like, "Oh fuck, I yeah. can't actually get anything done. I can't do the Zoom call because the connection's like one megabyte or some bullshit." <laughs> but it's, it's definitely got better, but. Yeah, literally. Yeah, that's funny. But 2016 was like even worse than that, you know? Yeah, it was like the whole like nomad thing, I think has happened kind of since then. Yeah, definitely. So like, obviously like 
not internet cafes, but shit like Dojo Bali, like co-working spaces. Yeah, and yeah. Shit like that, which are just abundant now. Yeah. Places like that. Literally. And yeah, I mean, I was literally fucked. Like 24 hours for the interview, like the most yeah. important interview in my life. Nothing's working. Uh, and this is where the real power of an entrepreneur comes in. Mm. You know, um, there's certain entrepreneurs like sit down and they, 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 they're like, they, they breathe out and they just map out stuff. That's how I do it when I get yeah. into like shit, you know, I just map out, you know, whiteboard and everything. Just like, you know, the type of thing like, again, like my, my, my friend Josh told me was just like, you can't be, you know, you can't be sad or worry about anything you can't control. Mm. I mean, technically I could control this, but like, I should put my laptop, but yeah. still I was just like going around, like, you know, putting dots together. And then I sat down and I was like, okay, I need a laptop. How do I find a laptop in Bali? Who do I contact, right? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm a DJ, you know? I probably should speak to other DJs about this situation, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I sent, like, I got like, I just hashtag DJ in Bali. That's the weirdest message. Literally like, oh, hey, shit. I'm Kim. Yeah. You, don't, you probably didn't know me. I got an interview for this uni tomorrow. <laughs> I have my master's degree, it's not working. I just need a laptop. Yeah, this <laughs> is a really random combination. Like Bali, DJ, interview for a uni in London. Yeah. I probably think what the fuck's going on. Literally. And like, um, I was like, I was cheeky. So I was like, preferably a MacBook as well. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If you can, you know. With 16 gig RAM. Yeah. <laughs> 15 inch. And uh, that night, all my friends were partying because I was in there preparing for my interview tomorrow. So they didn't, they didn't know what was going on. Um, and then uh, what happened was that out of like 50, 60 people, like I messaged, like I literally like, copy and paste, copy and paste it yeah. really fast. One guy answered. And I was like, damn, some guy answered. He's like, yeah, where, where's your hotel? I'm there, you know? Um, and he's like, can I come? And I'm like, oh, my friends are out. I'm not fuck it, yeah, come. You know what am I talking about? Come, you know, I need your yeah, help. Yeah, yeah. The guy comes, this guy, amazing guy called BN, um, and he just gives me his laptop. And I tried to use the internet connection uh, where it was in the hotel. Crap internet connection didn't work out. So then I left. Uh, we, then he was just like, let's go and find somewhere else to do it. So we went to like, the Bali radio station. We got there, it still didn't work out. The radio station guy was just like, do you want a gig? And I was just like, yeah, no, like, you know, like yeah. I need to do this interview, you know? So we go around Bali trying to find a really hard, you know, strong internet connection, couldn't find it. And then uh, he finally was just like, yeah, come to mine tomorrow to do this you know, to do the interview at nine. And he was like, I'll give you a shirt as well. Cause I didn't even have a shirt, you know? Uh, and then I was just like, I was like, man, like, you know, why are you doing this? He was just like, honestly, like I thought when you, you when I was in Kamoba, you were gonna mug me, but I saw you, I was like, no way, you know? Yeah. And he's like a nice guy that really genuinely did, needed help. Mm. Um, and then I was like, yeah, let's do the interview tomorrow. So the next day I do the interview at 9 a.m. Uh, mate, like I was wearing a shirt that was way too big for me and everything. Yeah. And then I pull up the, the, the laptop and I realized that the video interview is not a video conference, it's a robotic interview. Like it's one of those like, you know, like there's a robot speaking, you yeah. have to like 30 seconds to think about the question and answer. So after all that. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I was like, oh, I was like, man, like I didn't prepare for this, you know, like, you know? Yeah. So then I do the interview like that, but it's, it's a really awkward interview, right? Cause they're throwing random questions left and right. You're going like, you know, you need to, mm. to, to, to answer these questions. And again, real plan of entrepreneur come out and I'm just like, I'm just gonna wing it, you know, do the best I can. Yeah. So whilst I, do I was doing part. it. Yeah, literally just like- Fucking wing it. Always wing it. Um, figure it out somehow, being yourself. That's the most important thing. Don't wing it in a way that it's not you, wing it where it's you. Hmm. So if you get out of the situation, you, you feel proud of yourself because it was genuinely you doing it. Yeah. You know, so I was just, I wasn't going to be trying to be someone else. I'm like, going to be genuine me, you know, like on, on this like interview. And then whilst I was doing the interview, the aircon was turned off. So I started sweating and I started sweating on the camera and I swore on the camera. I went, fuck. And it was recording. So I was like, shit. So yeah. I pulled down the screen, like peeked up and it was still recording. And I was like, 
I'm so sorry. You know, like, yeah. anyway, I finished the interview. I came out, Bian was just like, how was it? I was like, mate, don't want to speak about it. You know, like probably yeah. failed it, you know? Um, and then uh, we realized at that point also, we were playing a show together. We we're on the same lineup. Like it was crazy coincidence. Played a huge show in front of 5,000 people. It was insane. It was, it was like, it, it was uh, in Seminyak. Um, like, yeah, it, was, it was crazy, man. It was next to, uh, I forgot the name of it now. Um, it was on the beach, really yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. Um, and played that show and then I left. And then as I was getting to Kuala Lumpur for another show, um, I got an email from Imperial saying that I got accepted on the so course. you're basically like a fucking touring DJ, but you're still stressed about getting into uni. Yeah, is that, yeah. Is that because there was no money in music or what? Not like, really. What it, was it, the logic to still be like the, going after the uni stuff when like music was clearly a solid something there? Mindset. Where you just didn't think you did, didn't think you could make it work? No, it's not. It's more about the where I'll, it, it, this is crazy, right? It's I think it's uh, your entourage is a lot of stuff, but it's where you were like brought up, like where mm. I was like you know as a kid. Um, I told you before, like I, I lived in the areas where like you know there was a lot, a lot of like you know posh kids going to like really good schools. Yeah. A lot of posh things happening and like going to really posh good unis. Yeah, you know, like posh parties between like kids when yeah. they're 15, you know, like yeah, yeah. families trying to get them married together and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't really part of that, but I was always there, you know, and for me seeing these people being, being successful in a traditional way, mm. it enabled me to go on, like, I could be like really successful in that way as well. So the fact that like I had these opportunities to be successful in that way, I was like, I'm going to take it. Investment banking, Imperial, you know, like, Top stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'd never thought about like doing anything else. And music was great. You can make money in music, you can go far in music, but for me, it wasn't prestigious enough mm. until I can get to these things, right? Um, and then, and then, yeah, I got, I got accepted into Imperial, went to Imperial, and this is where like I discovered like another world of like, like people that were so motivated to like succeed crazy mindsets like you know really you know like young entrepreneurs are already on that course mm. um and just an abundance of energy really um and i was still djing that time still you know like yeah um but that really taught me a lot of things in terms of like what i really wanted to do later and at that point i remember i decided to like i had a choice uh i got an offer to go into consulting um or working for an early stage startup after the course after the course yeah um, and I realized that like, I wanted to build my own company and I was like, I have to work on the startup to understand how everything works. You know, mm. um, like, you know, like sales, marketing, operations. I literally was, I was working in that startup. I like, like literally looked around, asked loads of questions. How do you do things? How does this work? What's, what's this software called? And stuff like that. Writing everything down one by one, like really focusing on that, you know? Um, and that was like during the time where like a lot of people, like I realized, and this is the craziest thing about music is that it brings people together and you build a really, really big network just because you're a musician and a DJ. Yeah. So I leveraged that a lot in my life until now, being a DJ and being a musician, enabling things that people can't get to, 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 you know, to make it happen. Smaller things like people getting people on guest lists, getting you know, people at shows backstage, um, telling people you know, what music is good, small things mm -hmm. like that. Because the things at the end of the day, like a lot of people like, they're very traditional, like they do, they, they, everyone works, you know? Yeah. But I like when I meet someone, I like to know like, what what gets you going, you know? What do you like in life, you mm. know? Yeah. The fun stuff, you know? And you're doing like 90% of people like love music. They love going yeah. out, they love doing things. 
So I connect with them on like a different traditional like standpoint, going like, oh, you do this, I do that, you know, like, I'm a DJ. Oh, you're a DJ? You know, yeah. like, it breaks the stigma, you know? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the conversations flow much faster because then they see me as like, this guy is, you know, this guy's weird, like funny, but strange, but weird, but crazy. I like him, you know, like. Different, yeah. Different, yeah, that's the word, you know. Right, yeah, um, the, the usual halfway point break, piss break, even <laughs> though we're not on the wine today because you don't drink, which actually surprised me. We can come on to that in a second, but um, a load of fucking interesting shit. What you were just saying is super interesting as well. Um, I definitely agree. Just come back to Imperial. So you, you finished there. You said you got a job in a startup then or? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and then, when was this, 2017? 2017, uh, yeah. Yeah, got, got the job in the startup. Um, and then I, I got the job in the startup as sales, really. What um, was the startup? Um, it was it was uh, yeah it was it was like uh, the first rating agency for startups. It was actually really crazy. Oh right. Yeah yeah. Like so it was a startup that was a rating agency for startups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's really funny. Uh, like I remember like once one of the companies was like, "How much do you rate yourself then?" <laughs> yeah legit. What is in like employee ratings where it's like Glassdoor and shit? No no like company ratings. It was called Early Metrics and it, it was it was it was really it was really crazy what they did. They used to so what they did is that like they would. Um, analyze and, and rate companies based on three pillars. Mm. So the team, the technology and the ecosystem. So um, at very early stages, you know, like seed series A, you know. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, those are the three factors that investors kind of look at when they build a company. And I realized it was really interesting as a job because I realized and learned everything about startups at the very early stages, what investors looked at. Um, team, how powerful is the team? That's the main thing I realized. Yeah. Propriety technology, how do you identify propriety technology? You know, IP, patents. It was a mm. 360 job. Yeah. So it was really crazy because I was selling um, these ratings to head of innovations at really big companies. Like I, I sold to Barclays, Daichi Lai, Prudential, you know, like mm. um, I went to events speaking with these you know, really big, big corporate guys um, and saying these ratings that we made, you know, um, and they would ask me technical questions about how, how is this done? You know, you're like, you know, what, what, what do you rate in the startup? So yeah. I had to learn about like everything about startups in general. So it really got me going on the entrepreneurial side. And I specifically took this job to learn about startups, to understand how, like, you know, how do you build a company, mm. but also really looked at, you know, what startups were coming in, what people were building. You know, it was really crazy because people would come to see us to get rated because they knew that they'll, they'll probably get their ratings, you know, transferred or given to like a large corporate that would probably do like a joint venture with them and like work on specific yeah. technology. So all these ideas came one by one. I was like, wow, you know, like this is insane, you know? Um, and yeah, that went really well. That really well, went really well. Then I got, I worked for like a, a digital transformation blockchain company and- uh, Fancy shit. Yeah, 2018. So the first bull run um, and I was yeah. head of sales there, but that was too early to be head of sales. It didn't really go well, to be honest. Um, I was put in the position that was like, way too senior for me. Um, mm. Because like I'm a sales guy, but I'm not a manager. Yeah. And at that point, I was managing stuff, and it wasn't. It didn't go well because of that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, then uh, I, I then took a break for a year there, where I did music, um, like six, seven months. Where I did like pure music, and then at that point, I realized that like that was the point where I was just like, oh, let's do it full time and everything, right? Yeah. Horrible. Didn't go well. This was still pre-COVID, right? This is still pre-COVID. This is like doing all the sales jobs and, you know, kind of like, oh, you know, like, I'm good at sales. I can sell. Yeah. And once you know you're good at sales and you can sell to people, especially large corporates, enterprise deals and stuff like that, you go like, I can do anything. Like, I, like yeah. when you know how to sell, and this is advice to anyone listening to this, like, if you know how to sell, 
like just that skill would get you very far in life no matter what you do to earn your money yeah it's true isn't it like sell yourself in like a social sense like the ability to sell your skills even like just to mates like to get become friends with people it's ultimately selling right like all the time people that have no social skills but have like a degree from Oxford yeah fucking useless in my opinion like if you have no EQ which I think so many people miss because everyone's glued to screens and shit these days it is so I can yeah. definitely see how being like in the music scene like the whole DJing yeah helps with that massively yeah because a lot of people just don't know how to speak to people exactly they like they don't know how to like interact and start a conversation uh, let, let alone like speak to girls and shit like, you, you get yeah. all these like Silicon Valley-esque entrepreneur types where they're just like on a laptop all day which is like me as well but <laughs> you know you, you don't want to be that guy that can't speak in a social situation yeah so that, and, yeah, I and, and I I mean I'm, I'm lucky because I was in like different situations like that you know mm. but there's one thing I realized in life and this is why I like for me is that like, you always constantly learn like you learn things like re- realizing it and I didn't realize that I was in the music scene like getting all these like, skills and everything yeah um, and yeah like, at that point I remember I was like I can sell so I was just like I'm gonna just you know take a break and do DJing like full time and that was horrible that was horrible because like I did wasn't what I was expecting why um, first thing you work at night all the time Mm, yeah <laughs> you got a different life to everyone around you um like you wake you're working whilst they're partying and sleeping like you're at the party but you're not partying you're mm. you have to do the music you know i mean people behind you you know like yeah you're awesome and everything it's great yeah but it's not you know at the end of the day you go back to your hotel room at four in the morning and still by yourself you know um mm. making music was great you know but again you're just a hermit at home making music great you know don't get me wrong i loved it every bit of it but i'm a social guy you know yeah um so at that point i knew i knew that like music if it happens one day where like, i can make a song and it goes crazy i'd love to do it full time I'll, I'll do it you know but music as like a resident dj full time to get money to get work because I, I, I was playing at a w hotel in london residency there for like six months oh shit yeah, yeah i've stayed there a few times it's cool it's great it was really good every thursday got paid and everything was great. Um, I, I toured Colombia, like South America. It was great as well. But again, you know, living that different know. life. It's, it's a wild life. <laughs> yeah. Some <laughs> crooked shit. Like, so, so random. Um, and then, yeah, I eventually got back into sales again. Like, and in between, I did like a bunch of random other stuff as well. Because of my startup knowledge, I used to work for a family office as well. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, so I did that. And then I did enjoy it's that too much. such a weird, yeah, interesting combination of things. Yeah, it, it was like just, Try like this is a thing I wanted to try as, like as many things as possible. Yeah. Not really knowing where I'll end up. I didn't have a five year plan. I was just like, I'm gonna try this out, try this out. Um, I then eventually yeah, got back into sales. Eventually, at that point, like um, after doing like you know back being back into the startup rating thing, work for the family office, help 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 to build the fund and everything. I was just like, come on, I'm gonna go back to make money, come back to the old Kim life, going back to nine to five. You know, it's time to settle down and chill out. You know. Um, and that was the turning point because literally at that point, like I got the nine to five, got a really good salary, a really good company. When was this? Still pre-COVID? This is like pre-COVID, yeah. This is 2019 now. Wow, okay. Yeah. I'm up to date. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm following. So like the whole entire time, still no plan. Um, and then 2019 happens. Um, and then what happened was that um, got into sales, did really well there and like it was a really good company. Got, got you know the ex and everything like the girlfriend at that time yeah and then settled down you know I was like that's it I'm in London 26, 27 I was like yeah so you know like mm. I'm ready 
go up the ranks, people were sick there, enjoyed it and everything. And then COVID happened. So like, where were you working? I was working at this- You mentioned uh, sales, but like where? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a SaaS start. company, really interesting company as well. Like a patent company called like PatentNap. It was crazy, like patents are really boring in general. Mm. And what they did was that like, they basically got all the patents. Like, you know, patents are actually free. Like you can look at them for free. Like you can look up them for free around the world. I don't know much about that that space to be fair. It's crazy. So like- I probably need a patent for fucking rainbow dust. You probably do. Something probably like look that. into it. Yeah, yeah. Get ripped off. It's crazy. But patents are like so not sexy, right? Yeah. Patents are like, and it's so important for any investor to have a patent on the idea, propriety technology, propriety, you know, mechanism, whatever it is, you know, like we need a patent on that, mm. you know? Um, yeah, again, like really interesting stuff, random interesting stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Got onto there and then, um, and it was crazy. What they did was like, all the patents around the world are free. They're around like, there's millions and they're around databases all around the world. You got like, you know, USPTO in like the States. I think that's what, that's what it's called, I forgot now. Asia, all these things, right? Yeah. But they're so boring, right? Because like you, it's like just like you scroll through them, the citations, all that kind of stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really important to have that, you know. And the craziest thing, what they did was that they basically took all the patents, put it all together, use AI and machine learning to create a database of patents. So any innovator, anyone that wanted to create a new product, mm. anyone that wanted to understand what the competition was doing, would literally go into that software, type down keywords they were looking for. And then they will tell what people are building in real time because they're finding patents. So you're able to spy yeah, on the competition, yeah. like in advance. Oh, you, could, you can also see like what we call like, it was like a like crazy like blueprint map with like areas of white spaces of freedom to operate where like you could make new products, you know? Mm. It's crazy. Like we, I found that like Nike filed a blockchain application in 2017 and no one knew about it, you know? Because who looks at patents? It's boring as hell, yeah. you know? And this software, I got into it and I was just like, whoa, you know, this is like easy to sell. Like, you know, people would love to have this. And they're a unicorn now. Um, oh shit. But yeah, and that, that's where I realized the power of data. And Do you ever and, get any equity in these these startups? No, 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 no. Too, too late or too, 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 too early short? left. Yeah. I left too early. Um, but it was always for me, like, it was always learning, you know, like about mm. what people were doing. And I, I was going to say the other company for longer, but then obviously you know, COVID happened and everything. Um, and then, yeah, like I got let go, restructuring, you know, the sales team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because, you know, it was a black swan. No one was gonna, knew what was going to happen. Yeah, like, fuck. It's been two, over two years now, hasn't it? Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and then that happened. And then, like, yeah, then this is where I stuck in my room for the first time with, like, uh, I was like, I'm not going to be a DJ <laughs> because mm. there's no shows going on, you know? I could have gone back to that for a second time at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not going to, like, uh, I can't find another job. No one's hiring. Mm. Um, and I was sat there on my own thoughts, you know. Um, and this whole entrepreneurial stuff came out. Um, basically, I'm really good at like lead gen. I realized that, you know, really getting meetings really fast and everything. Obviously closing deals as well, you know. And I, I realized at that point, like, because the whole entire world stopped, um, people can get business. And mm. like, people are trying to figure ways of like generating new leads, you know, um, to get business and everything. Um, and then uh, I, I think my friend Josh was just like, yeah, you should probably give it, give that as a, as a service to multiple people, like, you know, how you generate leads online by using LinkedIn and email automation and like, you know, cold calling and stuff like that. And I was like, who's mm. gonna buy that? Like, seriously, who would like, you know, like it's, it's for me, it was basic. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, like everyone knows how to do that. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I discovered. I was like, not yeah. a lot of people know about it. And mm. I was like, oh, you know, so then basically uh, I got my first client through him. He was just like, oh, this guy needs lead gen, I'll just connect you with him. So I, he called me up and at that point, 
um, I didn't have a company or anything, mm. you know, to do this. And two of my, well, one of my really good friends and his business partner were creating this, like starting this growth marketing agency, growth division, um, which is like crazy as well. The concept is basically, you know, when, when you scale a company, um, there's like different channels to market, to grow it. Yeah. There's like, there's like, they use a bullseye framework, like this framework, which is kind of like a bullseye with like- Is this the thing you told me about when we first met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like we spent like 50 minutes, it's super interesting. And now we're coming on to the bit that I have some context on, Yeah, I think. Yeah. So, so that, that yeah. was like, yeah, so that was all my like, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. how I got there. Yeah. But like, I'm not the traditional guy going, oh, I know what I want, you know, yeah, like yeah. all that stuff or like, you know. <laughs> Tried a bunch of shit. Trialed so much shit, like mm. literally. Um, and then yeah, got to that point and then like, uh, yeah, so they started the growth marketing agency. Um, and yeah, channels to market, 19 different traditional channels to market, crazy framework, created by the, the founder of DuckDuckGo, or DuckGoGo, I forgot the name of the yeah, search yeah, engine yeah. now, yeah. I know what you mean, I think it's DuckDuckGo. Yeah, um, and, uh, and basically in this framework, you have like inbound and outbound channels. So inbound channels, you've got like SEO, content, um, you've got uh, like, you know, ads, you know, and then outbound is like, you know, sales, partnerships, business mm. development and stuff like that. And what they did when they grew their, their company, which they think they sold to investors afterwards, what they did was that like, they tried out multiple channels with different experts because it's impossible to get an expert at that very early stage, you know? And what people generally do is they get the hiring a, a normal marketing person and they go, do this, do that, do that, you know? And, and mm. the guy ends up doing tons of stuff about really like specializing in one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, it becomes a shit show, you know? So they, what they did was that they got like loads of experts and just like source experts for each of these channels. Mm. and. Basically, the clients would test out each of these channels to see what works for them. Obviously, if you're direct to consumer, you know, there's like channels that make sense straight away. Yeah. You know, like, you know, SEO and all that kind of stuff, you know, paid ads and stuff like that. But if you're B2B, outreach is that, you know? Yeah. And what happened was that at the very beginning, they had like one or two B2B clients that needed outreach. So they came to, they, well, they didn't come to me. I came to them with a conversation and they're like, yeah, do you want to join as a partner to like scale up the, the, the outbound side of things to teach clients about this? And I was like, that's perfect. I've got a client that needs that. I mean, mm -hmm. a guy that I know that needs that. So yeah. can I do it under your brand? They're like, yeah, do it. And you come on as a partner. I'm like, this is great. Still no money, obviously. <laughs> like very early days. Um, brought him on, charged him like literally nothing like, so so low but just to get the ball going i remember that day mm. I, I was uh i was with my two really good friends by the thames and i was like i got my first client they're like first of many and i was just like i really hope so you know yeah um that was the first time freelancing consulting the first is always the sweetest it's like even getting the first sale on this shit like yesterday yeah yeah like i've done shit to much bigger scale but the first bit is always like ah okay it feels so good right like, it's like made something yeah, yeah. literally um, and then, yeah, it was, it was just all hustling from there. Like I worked with the client. I didn't know anything about operations and processes. Mm. I just did the work, you know? Um, and then, yeah, then everything just kind of like went through there. So I leveraged them a lot on their knowledge. Um, my, my two ex-partners, like Tom and Tristan, like they were, they're amazing founders. Like, you know, like they knew everything operationally, tools to use and all that. And then I obviously brought some of my knowledge and the, the past startups that I worked in as well, you know, what to do and everything. Um, but it's really scary at the very beginning very scary when you start like, you know, any sort of route because like you're, you, you put so much energy into it. Um, the first thing that like, I would say in the first two, three months, like, you have no idea what's going on. Money's coming in, but it's really low, especially when you're starting off at the very beginning. So even if I was like living on like, 500 pounds, for, like five, six months, like yeah. begging it would work, you know? Um, and the cool thing was I had nothing to lose at that point. Mm. Pandemic, everyone's at home. 
I was like my parents, like, you know, just like figuring out what to do. Yeah. I had this only thing that was going on. Um, so I put my full, full focus into it. Um, and then the craziest thing happened was that, and this is why like entrepreneurship is all about timing. I think it's all about timing. Mm. You know, you've got the best idea, you know, it won't happen if the timing's not the right time to do things, you know? Yeah. Every business was fucked. You know, like people wanted to grow, figure out how to grow like fast, even during the pandemic, you know? Yeah. So we started like getting a few requests to like try out like different growth marketing experiments, but everyone wanted like appointment setting straight away. Sorry, just to clarify, was this you as part of the previous business that you became partner on or did you start your own thing? No. So this is like still like the so business I was on. I was right. still working with them as a partner. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, just building up slowly, you know, getting clients in, you know, for all of us, you know. And then what happened was that like, because they were focusing on one part of the company, I was focusing on the other part of the company. What happened was that my part of the company started growing massively by itself because mm. timing, pandemic, people were like, we need leads, we need leads, you know. So I started getting requests from like tons of other people going like, how do we put meetings online? You know, how do we do this? Everywhere, like I, I, I did, I started sending out emails and stuff like that, but a lot of like, you know, word to mouth. Yeah. They helped out a lot from like their clients have brought in, but I got my own clients starting to come in as well. And then that part of the business scaled really, really big, like massively on that side. Um, and then it, it grew like, like a lot that, so much that we kind of like, not fed apart, but like, you know, the, the they, they didn't know what I was doing and they didn't have any oversight what, over what I was doing. Hmm. And I wanted to get them involved a bit more in what I was doing as well. Um, but we just naturally grew apart, you know? And they, they, just, they also wanted to take the thing in the house as well. So then I just became like there, like just suddenly with an agency. Like, yeah. you know, with like, uh, I was like 15 clients at that time. Sure. Um, and all for myself, I was drowning. I was in Dubai at that time. Yeah. Mate, it was horrible. Um, and then I remember, like, I was like, I need a CEO, a head of ops, you know? Interviewed tons of people. Hmm. You know, and at this point, I realized that, like, if you need someone in your life at that point, find a, one of your closest friends, like, that vibes with you and, like, you know, that you know will, like, take, take a bullet for you, like, you know, to try it out with you. Um, and, and you're able to sell the dream, obviously, you know? Yeah. Um, and at that point, what I did was I literally picked up the phone and I called my, one of my really good friends, Jamie. And Jamie's really like, he's an awesome guy. Like, he's still my CEO at the moment. We, we run the two agencies together. Um, mm. And it's really funny because when you hire people, you know, you look at like degrees, you know, MBAs or whatever it is, you know, yeah. like um, where they came from and stuff like that, you know. But I look, the, the massive thing for me when I hire people is transferable skills. I don't care what you do, where you're from. But yeah, in your job, what are the biggest transferable skills that can help you, like, be in this position today and help you elevate to that 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 position where you want to be in? You know, mm. because this is where this is where where I came from. Yeah, all my transferable skills through like DJing, events management, all that kind of stuff was always networking and getting there. So I'm like the person I have to hire has to be the same mindset. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah, basically Jamie, like at that time, he had a marketing company as well, but he was like. He still does it today sometimes. He's like a, a nightclub promoter, but like for like the really big clubs, you know, mm. like, you know, Tramp and all these other posh bases and stuff, yeah, you know? Yeah. And this guy has to handle like, you know, just like five, six other promoters, you know, like sending him fucking WhatsApp messages all day, you know, yeah, like yeah. the most horrible thing to deal with, you know? And I'm there going like, he's perfect. Yeah. Like he can be organized. <laughs> he has to handle like, a, like dumb requests all the time. Mm. Um, he keeps his cool perfect guy yeah you know so i call him up and i'm like yo this is that and, and he was just like mate don't worry about it i'll help you out like i'll help you out like just 
give me what you can give me. I'll just try and figure out, see how it goes, you know. And there was a lot of ups and downs and we finally got there finally today. Um, and like now we've got the appointment setting agency and now the other part which has gone really well is the PR agency as well. So is he full time now? He's full time, yeah. And you effectively co-founders then or? Um, well, so it's, well, CEO and like CEO, yeah, yeah co-owners, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he, he's like, or he man manages all the day-to-day. -day. So we've got like, we've got like, like 10 clients on, on the like appointment setting side. We, we calmed that down a lot. Mm. Um, very hard to scale as a business, by the way. And then the PR, like, yeah, we've got a lot of clients with that, like 20 plus clients with that. And he, he manages like both agencies really well, like 25 employees that like, we're managing left and right. And there's a lot of people. So 25 full-time employees? So full-time, yeah. There's a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. fucking hell. Do you, do you think, obviously your experience in like startups and in particularly startups, but like investment banking, or all the shit that maybe seemed irrelevant at the time, obviously added up to the ability to do that really well? I wouldn't because that's pretty quick to scale to like 25 employees yeah um, I would say that like uh, in some instances yes but like no is the same time mm. I would say that like in part because I was doing things randomly and didn't really have a plan like it helped me cope with a lot of like hurdles when growing it um, so we need to get this we need to get that we need to you know speak to these these people and all that kind of stuff but what really got me like going is that like because I'm a guy who's got like, I'm very energetic and like, I like doing things really fast and all that kind of stuff. I'm able mm -hmm. to like, you know, figure out also solutions on the go as well. So there's two sides of it, you know, like, you know, just being like a, like a Swiss knife really, I would say, you know, but at the same time, not really because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just figuring it out still on the spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it worked out really well. And like timing as well, you know, we, we started doing PR for like, you know, NFT companies and well, well we, we worked the one, like a pretty big one at the very beginning. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and that went really well. Um, and then just everything just came in after that, you know. Um, again, and that was like, again, through just who you knew and just friends, you know. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, the guy was like, he was a CTO at Artifact Studios, Sam Cardillo, and he just talked to me about what NFTs were. And, you know, we did, you know, work together and stuff like that. And like, yeah, it's just, it's just insane because when we realized what it was and what, where, where, you know, it could bring people, you know, and like, you know, at that time it was the bull run, you know. We did that and then everything just came in after that, you know. So like it was really good. Um and uh, yeah, today like we're just we're in a very fortunate position. Again, keep saying it three, four times, but timing again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, it, is that fully remote then? Everyone everything's fully remote. Yeah. We've met we I've met like probably like two clients in my life. Oh shit. Yeah, I've never met any of the clients. Like, How about employees? You ever met any of that? Uh no. One Literally. one one employee, I think. Fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah, the world has changed, hasn't it? Yeah. And and that's been going two years pretty much since two the start years. of COVID. Two years, yeah. And where do you want to take that now then? Because like, obviously you're doing a lot of music still. Like, when did that come back in? Obviously COVID fucked everything. Yeah, the music, not and that, really. And now you've got, obviously, yeah. a legitimate business going. That's yeah. fucking scaling. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you still have plans for music? No, like music. always just chopped in and out of your life. No, no, the music's still going. I'm not, I'm not focusing it on as like that much in terms of like, uh, you know, like I'm gonna put everything inside one basket and just, just go crazy with it. Mm. I still do it. I still make music. I still, you know, play events. I'm actually, you know, doing a duo with my mate Stone uh, of Unbroken and like we're, we're playing an ultra music festival in Croatia in July um, yeah. on the beach. So, you know, it's still there, but like, um, because this company is scaling, I told literally everyone, like, you know, my business partners, like, music-wise, I'm like, this is it. This is, like, what we're really good at. Mm. And, you know, people are really enjoying the work that we're doing. I've got a great team. 
we've got a really unique USP as well. I'll get to that point. Like something that we just invented and it's not really invented, but like some, some crazy stuff that we're doing at the moment that people love. We're actually working with the former chief security officer of SpaceX on this. Like he's one of our clients. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, it's This random. is a very varied episode. Yeah, random, but like, um, you can see I've got ADHD, but like, like you know, like yeah, <laughs> focused yeah, yeah. up. But yeah, the music's still there. The music's still there, but like, yeah, the concentration's on the company at the moment. You know, if I get gigs, if I get, oh, do you want to play? Do you want to play there? Do you want to do this event with us? I'll do it, you know? Yeah. But I'll be honest with them, like, this is, how much time I can put so to this. more of an enjoyment pursuit at this point then. Yeah. Since, yeah, since yeah. the company started going. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. Where do you see it in like five years then, this sort of thing? Because like, I'm always interested. I mean, there's so many new kind of like agency, like B2B stuff that's cropping up because of like, yeah, NFTs is one, like just the, the change in fucking landscape and everything. Like how, how scalable do you think it is? You said, you said there's, there's three agencies two agents so no well the, the first one was growth division which right. i left yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's got, okay. we got the appointment setting company and the uh, pr agency but in terms of scalability yeah the pr agency is gonna go for me like really far we mm. found something and this is what i tell loads of people the, 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 the most fun part about like being an entrepreneur which i tell most people is that like you when you figure out a problem sorry a solution to a problem um and you take that solution that you found and you merge it with another solution that you found. Because what you see is that you always see really recurring problems, right? And mm. you take these two solutions together and you put them together, it becomes a blue ocean. Like, you know, yeah. the, the craziest thing is that like a lot of people, or like, this is the thing, right? For me, scalability comes from the fact that like, if you are competing in the red ocean, you got no chance. Because when competing in the red ocean, like the problem is, is that like you're competing on maybe on price point most of the time. Yeah, it's a race to the bottom. Exactly. Um, or like you get first mover advantage and you're like, mm. you're there, you know. But most of the time, um, you can try late mover advantage, but you're competing in the red ocean. Marketing agencies, appointment setting agencies, they're all the same. You know? So many fucking marketing agencies. These so days. many. SMMA. So many. But. Most common thing. Everyone watching this has a fucking SMMA. Really? Yeah, well, no, yeah, a lot it does. Of them. It's like the most. Well, not all of them, but it's the buzzword, I guess, for like young entrepreneurs. It's like a social media marketing agency. Yeah, it is. But yeah, you're right. Most of them are the same. And yeah. most of them are shit. Exactly. And, not and all of them, but most. If And if they are good, like, they're good. But does that mean they scale? Like, you know, mm. um, yeah, they do to like maybe seven figures, like maybe eight figures sometimes because they've got that, that branding and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but most of them don't get there. Most of them get to that sweet spot where everyone's really happy with it, you know, and all mm. kind of stuff, you know? The end of the, the game is that like, how much value are you providing? And are you providing value from a red ocean and blue ocean's perspective? Because the thing with blue ocean is you've got, you've got not, not say you've got no competitors. I mean, literally sometimes it is, you know, but yeah. also you're creating something completely new that no one's thought about, you know? Mm. And, the NFT side of the agency that we're doing at the moment, it is one thing. Like, you know, it, it's, it's it, and we're, like the thing with, with PR and also realized in the world is that like a lot of traditional companies out there, like, you know, especially in like PR, they're, they're not very great, good. They're not great in general, but yeah. once you are good at something, just the slightest bit in the industry is kind of broken down, mm. you're, you're amazing, you know? So we, we like, we do get people into Forbes. We got, you know, we got like a client the other day, Coin Telegraph contributor account, you know? Yeah. Like, cause like, you know, we, we, we know people and we know, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to have a really good team. You can probably help yeah. me with that actually. Cause I, yeah. I want to get, go down the PR route. Well, just slight change it, but change the subject slightly. But 
because I want to get my fucking personal Instagram verified. Yeah. Which is one thing, <laughs> which I've been trying to, I paid some guy like five grand like two years ago and it was a complete scam. Yeah. Never saw the money. But then also with the new brand, because I, f- I feel like PR is quite an interesting way to position a brand as like the next big thing, even though, you know, like there could be brands that are doing bigger numbers. Yeah. But if you're in the right publications and this, this is what some of, some of my investors have told me because they're fucking smarter than me and I never even thought about PR, like ever. I yeah. always just thought Facebook ads, Google ads, TikTok ads. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's PR seems like another flavor of marketing. It is. It's people's perception of you. It's, um, yeah. it's like, it's, it, for me, like getting into Forbes today, it's, it's really cringe saying this, but it's actually true. It's like getting a degree from Oxford. Like, hey, mum, I made it, you know? Yeah. At the facts. end of the day, it's a piece of paper, you know? Like, yeah. you know, who cares? But it's just the branding, you know? Like, oh, you know, Forbes under 30, that guy, you know? Like, yeah. And it helps. It helps you to get into doors, you know? Um, and it's just the way the world is today. Mm. Well, what I, tell, what, I, what I tell people is that today, like, people consume content faster than ever. Yeah. I, start, I tell people, do, you really, do people really read Forbes? You know, I, I ask my like, sometimes, like, clients and stuff like, do you actually sit down and just open up the magazine and read it like when do you have the time to do that tell me yeah you know and if you do honestly between you and me do you skim through it like yeah skim through it you know but what do you want to get i want to get it because i want to show to people that my Stay stuff is great enough to get into credibility in it credibility and Social it's great because editors they are they're, they're very credible and they do their jobs you know and some people do read these things you know yeah. like publications and stuff like that I, I do you know but the majority of people like we live, we live such a fast life today that a lot of people do it on their phones maybe on the way to work, but I know a lot of people like, for maybe from you know my age group of like, you know, late 20s and stuff like that, mm. they don't have time, they, you know, they've got other stuff to do, you know? But it's just the fact they're going to- Too busy the- scrolling TikTok. Literally, literally. Um, but, but yeah, but the, the thing with PR is, and this is what I realized about PR, right? And this is where like the whole entire thing came into place, right? So we do something which is like very much different. So the NFT stuff and the Web3 stuff, the crypto stuff, mm. we've, we're, we're doing really good in that. And we've got a lot of like really big clients in that space, like Yellow Heart NFT, which is like the world's largest. So NFT projects come to you to do, do their PR? Yeah, basically. yeah. Get, but like to get the projects out, to talk to them into like tier one media press, you know, mm. we've done that. We did, we got like Diner, there's like luxury dining NFT into like Forbes US, like probably like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but that's great. I love getting people featured. You know, it makes them happy. It gets a company out. Investors love it, you know? Yeah. But I always thought about what is really PR at the end of the day, mm. you know? And the other side of PR that no one really talks about is market intelligence. And this is what people t- tell me, like, what do you mean by market intelligence, Kim? Mm. You know? And I realized something really crazy. I realized that, like, PR, you can leverage a lot of it to speak to the right people. And these people tell them what they think, their quotes, you know, their their you know their, their ideas and stuff like that. And you're if able to create roundtables, you know, and you know, you know, get this information across into the press and then use that as market intelligence and data, you know, uh, for other people to read it, it becomes really strong, you know. And this is what we do, uh, uh, like as part of the company. Like I don't like revealing it too much because, like, you know, it's very secretive still. Yeah. And we work with like yeah, the former CSO uh, of SpaceX on this. You know, I was but, watching a SpaceX documentary last night. Really? That Elon Musk one. It's a, there's a new one on Netflix. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fucking chaos, to be fair. It's good shit. But um, let's say that we've organized them a, a, a bunch of roundtables of like really prominent like people they want to speak to for his like own startup at the moment. Mm. 
And let's say that like, yeah, he, he, he got the information that he needed and that with that information, we then create content for, for him into the press. Um, so yeah, mm. he's gonna get like articles into like business side and yeah, finance talking about these interviews that you had and conversations that you had with the people that we introduced him to, you know? So it's a diff- it's a very different way of doing it, you know? It's uh, leveraging it in, in, in a smart way where like it's good content people want to read. And at the same time, you know, our clients are able to gather really good market intelligence from it as well. Yeah, sick. Yeah. Fucking hell. This whole, whole NFT side of things, is something I'm, de- I'm not included up on, to be honest. This whole <laughs> market, I've just like focused on e-com the past few years. And I think there's definitely scope to like, I mean, do, do you see like a lot of like crypto Web3 projects that are just massively inflated yeah. valuations? It's just like borderline rug pulls. Because, I mean, that, that's my opinion on a lot of that, the Web3 stuff, NFTs now, but I'm not an expert. I mean, the thing is, at the end of the like day... The is that, actually have, like, utility is kind of debatable, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And who can actually, like, you know, like, execute upon it? Yeah. You know? But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, like, we select the projects that we work on, you know, that we really believe in. Uh, that can make a difference based on the founder. Again, you know, it's all my analytics about working in the rating agency for startups previously. I see projects, I see, you know, I see, you know, things are going to happen. But yeah, it, it's it's a very big bubble at the moment. I think right now there's actually there's actually a bear market coming into the NFT industry right now. Mm. But projects are not selling out anymore and people are realizing it, you know, like you know, more and more. Um, but yeah, 100%. You know, as you mentioned before, utility, you know, if, if they have the right team to execute upon it, if they have the right funds. Yeah. It's unfortunate, you know, but this is, you know, what happens to innovation all the time? You know, the curve of adoption, you know, you always have the crazy curve, then it goes down because there's a lot of like, you know, scams and things that are happening, things that don't work. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, people get hyped about stuff. And then you have the, you have the correction. And once the correction happens, and this is what I tell most people, um, a lot of people are doing a new innovation at that point on user experience and adoption through education. It's a completely different ballpark, you know? Yeah. And that's what we saw Web 2 and obviously Web 3 is coming now. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever go back to, because obviously like you kind of like a traditional upbringing and then kind of push down a traditional path, like a lot of people are, like I was as well myself. But do you think you, you could ever or would ever like go back to the matrix now you've like fucking escaped? That's no. like a more like philosophical question because your route to entrepreneurship is pretty unique, I think. But the thing that's similar is ultimately like people have to, make that leap and fucking start something right and you obviously did that mainly when COVID happened yeah that was like the opportunity yeah and now it's going really well yeah because yeah, yeah I, I just find it interesting because a few people have been on the pod started stuff during COVID because it was like like you say a big black swan event but it's like yeah I don't know I feel like a lot of people watching this or, or not watching this would love to do like their own thing and there's never been a better time than now like it's the whole creator economy like online blah 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 just presents so many opportunities like all the stuff you've said like I don't even know about half this shit but there's probably like a fucking trillion pound market that I've never heard of but people are just I don't know I think it's hard for people to get out of like the routine or the upbringing they've had unless there's like they're given a reason which for yeah. you was like COVID right but yeah, yeah. I don't know I, I don't know what the question is but yeah I, I just think it's interesting it's it's this is what I'm saying. It's like for me, there was always like a I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I didn't think, you know, that this way they, that things will happen this way in general. Hmm. Um, my advice to most people on this thing is just that like, um, just be happy with what you're doing in life. You know, 
like I was happy having nine to five, really yeah. happy. I didn't, I didn't, I, I was mm. doing my thing, you know. Um, so be happy what you're doing. If you're an entrepreneur, not an, an entrepreneur, right? But the most important thing is two things. You need to adapt to really fast to like situations that you're not comfortable with and then learn from that a lot. And then take things from that to think about it deeply, you know, why that happened and how, you know, you could maybe, you know, collide different things together of like solutions you found to different problems together. It's a lot of thinking, you know, but I always sit down and think sometimes, like, oh, I got over that situation. How did that happen? You know, write it down. Like, oh, you know, so a lot of thinking about how you overcome hurdles. That's what I would say. And the second thing is, um, because this is what happens, because like, sometimes like, if you get in my situation where you get in a black swan event and you have to overcome it, at least you adapt, you know, you can adapt to that really fast because, you, you know, you have adapted to some of these, like, these circumstances in your life, you know, that's one thing, you know, so always be adapting to like, you know, multiple hurdles and because like things can come left and right. And then the second thing I would say, which is really important, um, is making sure you're always open to do a lot of things. Mm. Never say no to anything, even yeah. if you don't know what it means, <laughs> um, because the other person know what it means and dip your toes in it for like a bit, just to see how you like it. And even if it's entrepreneurial, non-entrepreneurial, that thing could be insane for you, you know? Yeah, just like opportunities, isn't it? Because like, yeah. one of the most common questions I get off the back of this pod all the time, like DMs, it's like some young guy, generally, because 99% male audience, like messaging me saying, oh, I'm interested in entrepreneurship, but I don't know how to meet like-minded people. And I always just tell them, yeah, cool. Like do what I did, get on a fucking economy flight to Singapore yeah. to an event, which I saw on Facebook group. And then like little things like that, become a butterfly effect. Yeah. Like if I didn't go to that event, I don't know if I'd be sat here because I wouldn't have met certain people that then inspired me to do certain things and you know, X, Y, Z. But that's how the world works. Like you can fucking change your circumstances if you change what you do, right? And like take up different opportunities. Yeah. And it doesn't always require money because money's often the excuse. Like, oh, I don't have a lot of money, I can't do this. Yeah, but you do have time and you do have an internet connection. Like everyone watching this at least does. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like even you just saying you messaged those don like fifty dons in Bali to get a fucking laptop. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the same principle. Like I tweeted something similar about this the other day. Like if you if you don't shoot your shot in, in whatever capacity, like you'll never know. Never. Whether that's like I don't know, fucking girl that you want to speak to and you're being a little bitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like I don't know, some investor or someone you follow because. Yeah, it's mad. It's just I get like fucking like existential crisisism when I think about it. <laughs> as I have no word, but like when I think about this sort of shit, it's like the butterfly effect of certain things. If you do or don't do them, yeah, and if you don't do them, you'll never know. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, like yeah, it's literally that. Like, um, I, I think out of everyone from like when I was young at school and just in general, my family and stuff like that. Like I've always been the guy who's just like, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it. You mm. know. Um, I failed a lot of times, you know. I've just been very lucky that was timing was right when this happened. Yeah. And I was very lucky that again I keep saying it because like I didn't even know how messed up the PR whole industry was, like in terms of like, you mm. know, people not like getting what they need and stuff like that. And from my experience about market intelligence from working at the specific startups I worked at, I realized that like I created something completely different, which unfortunately you can't say too much on the podcast about because like, yeah. you know, um, we're doing really good work in it, but like, yeah, we, 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 we use those things and just adapt to it and just like scale through that. Um, and I think my business, when you say that you have a business plan in the next five years, I'm like, yeah, kind of, but at the same time, not really because yeah. it's so new out there, you know, it changes so much. Um, 
but there's not one point where I was like, I'm going to stop doing this. You know, I, I've always continued doing it. You know, um, I think obviously there's a point where like, you know, if you don't get money from it, <laughs> like you're eating pot noodles and stuff, yeah. like, you should probably change. Do you think you're motivated by money? Because you've done like some fucking weird, not weird shit, but like yeah. very unique stuff. Like obviously fucking DJing, traveling loads, hustling on shit that wasn't necessarily paying you at the time. But like, do you think that is a motivator now or is, or is it more about enjoying what you do and like the freedom aspect um, you kind of touched on? Freedom, definitely. Freedom like in terms of like, I can go wherever I want now, travel wherever I want, speak to whoever I want, work with whoever I want. That's definitely the main motivation. Um, and the thing with money, you know, you know as well, you know, it's like yeah. you do what you love the most um, and you, you enjoy what you're doing and it'll always be there because mm. you're good at it, you know? Yeah. Like it shouldn't, money shouldn't be your main motivation because the problem is at the end of the day, you'll burn out. Like most businesses, you'll burn out. I mean, everyone would probably burn out. Like when you're on growth stage, you'll burn out. <laughs> like that, that, everyone knows that, you know? And yeah. if you burn out and you burnt out really badly, you want to stop at that stage, you were doing it for the money. You know, and that's where people kind of abandon at that point and try and like lay off and stuff like that. You know, but yeah, th that's that's why I often like it's definitely not the case for everyone. But I've said it before that like I think that the most interesting or like long term successful entrepreneurs tend to, in my opinion, come from like an initial creative interest. And like even for you, it was like it was like music was like the one thing that yeah. you were into, and then you hustled on that and fucking leads you down the road. Whereas like you can tell like fake entrepreneurs or whatever you want to call it where they're just like they see their mate doing well and they're like oh how can I do that Yeah. even though they had no interest in it in the first place Yeah. they just assume that the potential outcome of like the financial outcome could be great so yeah. then they're like oh jump on the bandwagon but like you say yeah the second it gets difficult they won't give a fuck because they're not actually in it for yeah. the right reasons they're not exactly. actually passionate about it and if it, you would do it for free yeah. anyway, basically, then you should then you should probably do it, and actually you'll make money from it. Exactly. Eventually. Yeah. Some, but that's the thing. Like sometimes it's it's, it's unfortunate. Some, sometimes it gets too late. You know that point when you're burning out. So you're right. Like you know, but like I mean, it's hard also to enjoy most things. You know, it's like does people yeah. do people really enjoy ecom? Do people really enjoy like, doing marketing with other people? I, think, I always say this like, as well. Like, I think you have to net enjoy something. Like if the, I don't know, say ninety percent of it's just a bit of a grind. And by the way, like most of any businesses, as as you know, anyone that's on the pod knows. But a lot of people that aren't in the game just assume that the second you work for yourself, oh freedom. No, it's like for nice. fucking less freedom because it's like. 24-7 that's why you have to enjoy it but yeah yeah. I, I was thinking if 90% of it's shit say but the 10% that's amazing i.e. like when stuff goes well you release a product whatever is worth it then it's like net worth it yeah do you know what I mean it is you it is. still do it yeah whereas yeah I'm, I'm not sure a lot of people could say that truthfully about what they currently do yeah and then I also saw another, I'm going down a tangent because I always try and make this philosophical and like delay a bit but I saw a tweet the other day and it went like mad viral and it said it's like some random account and it got like a million likes it was like are you happy or are you just distracted from sadness and I was like fuck that's like I feel like that's so that's a uh, so applicable to like this generation yeah because I don't know yeah like maybe I, I feel like I've certainly like kind of realize the stuff that actually makes me happy deep down as I've got a bit older but you have to try yeah. shit and stuff but I don't know like what am I trying to say I just think like you, people that work jobs that they fucking hate and then their outlet is going to get paralytic at the weekend in the pub and they do that every week for 20 years like if that's what makes you happy that's cool but 
I don't know, are a lot of those people happy or are they just waiting for an outlet to get away from the shit that they don't like doing because yeah. they never had the balls to pursue something they actually cared about? It's, it's I hard. About, I just, yeah, I think about that shit. No, it does. It does. I, I think about that when I just speak to most people as well that like, you know, sometimes depressed and stuff like that. Um, mm. And it's really hard because I realize sometimes is that like, I've got such a different personality to some people that they don't understand me. I don't understand them as well. And that, that, that you know, is a big barrier um, to encouraging people and motivating people to do what I'm doing, what you're yeah. doing, stuff like that, and entrepreneurs in general, you know? Um, because I feel that like when I speak to like people like that you've interviewed in the pod, like a lot of my friends, we all have the same similar lifestyle mindset. It's it's and it was crazy when I moved to Dubai. I didn't. I met all these guys like you know one by one. I'm like wow, like yeah. you're all like this. We're the same. Yeah. But I'm a bit you know like same you, page. Same page. But you guys do things differently. But you know we're we're doing the same thing, you know? And like, it's crazy because now like, you know, some of those guys are my clients, I'm their clients, you know, it's just, it's crazy. You know? We're all a team, you know? Yeah. Um, and then when people from outside my circle, like trying to understand what I'm doing and stuff like that, I try to, I just don't have time. I'm just like, I, I do business, you know? Like, you know, yeah. like I, 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 I it, yeah. And then, and then I realized there's two separate worlds out of that, you know? And to get someone from that separate world into my world, Hmm. to explain it you know his his ideas like oh it's just an agency guy you know <laughs> like you know I, like you know it, it just collides you know and yeah. if i had the time to really you know show him like what i did and tell him that like you know are you really happy where you are you know are you happy where you are because you don't seem really happy look at your calendar the way you work and stuff like that hmm. i'm like i'm really happy you know but then at the end of the day that's what i mean like happiness is two different things but i don't know what happiness means to, to specific people like yeah but happiness for us I think is the same thing for all of us I think the one thing I realised again I've spoken about it on the pod before but like because I went through like a really shit year last year and everything and I kind of on reflection like worked out what at least gives me fulfilment and I, and I feel like it has to be similar for, for a lot of people to some extent I think ultimately like fulfilment for most people and certainly for me comes from progression yeah and like a sense of purpose working on something because, yeah, like, I've had times in my life and I've been very open about it where I've been incredibly, like, depressed and just in a bad mental space. And I, and then looking back, it's always been when I've had less of a clear mission or, like, hmm. I don't know, there was a lull between projects or whatever it is. But I just think get busy doing something that you, you can progress, whether that's the fucking gym, running, like, simple things, building a business, whatever it is, getting better at your job. Do you know what I mean? I think... To me, that that's what like fulfillment is, and then happiness probably. I don't know if they're the same thing, but like happiness is part of that. Yeah, and like, do you know what I mean? I don't know. No, but do, 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 do you know? Do you know what's crazy? You know, like when I mean, I know maybe this is just me, but like I just realised that every time that's happened to me, it was after a breakup. Every time, yeah, that you uh, start every, something new. Or what? Every time that I I I had that like. That, that that point of my life where I was just like I need to focus on something be happy progression be, be happy yeah. where I am because the problem is is that like it's the comfort zone right the comfort zone is so toxic because comfort zone for me I mean maybe not for me but like most people is that, you know the 9 to 5 the girlfriend and stuff like that you know you mm. know um, when that bubble pops COVID breakup yeah you know that is where you realize the people that start looking at specific things in terms of like how they progress in multiple things because you said something really like interesting there where like some people like progress in like you know maybe business or other parts in life like going to the gym and stuff like mm. that like my first like like kind of like big breakup um we're talking about breakups again i'm gonna get in trouble yeah yeah but this, this is this no, one was really random it's interesting <laughs> this was really random 
But like, I do like, I joined the university rugby team. After a breakup. Stupidest decision ever. Yeah, because I was just like, I you need to do something. You don't strike me as a rugby player. Literally, exactly. Literally, you know, like, I was just like, I'm, I like, final year at uni. Yeah. Let's just do this. Like, fuck it. Like, what's going to happen? What's, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I'm going to get stomped mm. on by a bunch of big guys, but at least I can be accepted by, like, people that I've never really interact with. Yeah. A bunch of lads, you know, like, you know, um, and, you know, play a game, which I'm not, like, the caliber for at all. But the sense of progression in my head was just like, I can do this if I can. If I want to do anything in life, you know, this could be like incredibly in terms of like physically, mentally, progression. Not building a business, just myself. You yeah, know? I know completely what you mean because like I went through a breakup and I fucking spoke about it too much on the pod and whatever. I'm definitely over it now, but I think yeah, it, it's like that change from comfort to oh shit, a big change in my life. And then I had that fucking business issue, and I was like fuck. Almost, almost like a blank slate but with the experience that I had from the years prior then I was like fuck it well we better go all in on progressing and like I've probably got in some of the best shape of my life in recent months I've been running a shitload I've been reading David Goggins and shit and then obviously like building a business and stuff and yeah then like momentum becomes addicting the fucking dog's ruining this <laughs> like yeah it's so true because I was in like a really dark place and I was like fuck like I've put on weight and like looking back I was like fat for me I wasn't like fat fat but like chubby yeah and then yeah like fucking wasn't working on anything I was excited by wasn't doing the podcast and then, then I started the podcast and I started the new business and I started getting in shape again and then it becomes momentum and then that process of like self betterment and just like fucking chasing new shit becomes addicting because yeah like even launching this brand it's like yeah now it's launched now it's real and, and it's quite cool. I mean yeah, I've, done, I've done it a few <laughs> times I've done it a few times before building brands and shit but it's, it's always cool when you can yeah do it again it's like fuck like there's a real like alchemy in yeah. like building shit because I think I was, I was writing this down on my iPad the other day because I've got into the habit of like trying to write down like affirmations and shit and yeah it, it kind of helps it cringe, does but it does it does though and yeah, I wrote something. It was like the alchemy of like combining my skill set, my self belief, and time to build something. And I think that's like ultimately, in my mind, what life is about. But that's basically. the thing, right? Like, I don't know where the fuck I'm going with this. But. No, no, but that's the thing, right? Like, this is crazy because it's become like kind of like our new reality now. Like, that our comfort zone is doing this. Like, right now, if like I, I stopped doing what I was doing and I, you know, like go back to nine to five and everything, that like it'd be out of my comfort zone because this is my comfort zone, you know? Um, but the comfort yeah. zone that we're in right now, I realize it like it's not really a comfort zone because it just changes every day, mm. you know. Um, so it goes to the point where people ask me, like, "Do you like like what do you like the best about your job?" I'm like, literally, obviously the entrepreneurial part, like creating new ideas and like you know launching stuff. That's the best part, you know. Yeah. But the other best part is like you know the, the sense of fulfillment when you solved a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But the craziest problems that people will in the nine to five would never face. You know, like I, 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 you know, things that like you know, one of your best employees leaving. How the hell do you replace that guy? The business yeah. going operationally just messed up just based on that. You know, entrepreneurship like, is just problem solving and like yeah, shit, shit storms, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like even like you said before, like you were happy doing doing a nine to five and shit. And obviously, not everyone is an entrepreneur. Certainly, the audience for this podcast mainly is. But like, yeah, you just I think, yeah, the one thing I've realized about life is. That, just find something that you fucking not even necessarily enjoy but like yeah. get fulfillment from doing and getting better at and I think that's just like key and I, I've never 
I've never really related and I've never really understood people that just aren't driven to do anything almost. Yeah. And yeah, I always end up talking about this sort of shit on the pod because it's like it's fucking philosophical and shit, but it's just like the, the sort of stuff I ponder. But I mean, obviously everyone's different and everyone's driven by different things, but coming back to that tweet, which just like struck a chord with me, and <laughs> yeah, obviously was- a lot of people, because it went fucking viral. But it's like, yeah, I don't know. I think if a lot of people actually look to themselves like deep, deep into themselves and try to answer that question. I'm not sure many people would say they're actually happy. It's it's hard because like, like or it, I'm just a really fucking overthinking cunt. No, that no, ponders life too much, and everyone's actually really happy. Everyone's happy in their own way. I just why I don't judge people when they they, they say that what they do and like mm. where they are. I'm like, yeah, if you're happy, you're happy. You know, like, this is great. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, we're in different situations and stuff like that. But I, I just would say is that like at the end of the day, um, I don't. Like, a lot of people say do something that you love. Like, do I love like appointment setting PR? Like, you know, is this like, oh my God, like, no, I didn't like, it wasn't my thing. You know? Yeah. But there was parts of that that I loved. Yeah. Like the, 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 the fulfillment of like, uh, you know, speaking to important people, the fulfillment of being someone finally, yeah. you know, I wasn't saying that I wasn't anyone before that, but like finally like, you know, like I built something that I'm really proud of. Yeah. Um, that's a fulfillment, you know? So I just tell people that like, Cheesy as hell. People always say this. Don't think about the end goal. Think about the process. It's actually fucking true. Enjoy the process. Enjoy that pain. Enjoy the fact that like you will be secluded from your friends for a lot. That like you will do things that you won't enjoy. But enjoy that. And if you can't enjoy that, you know, what you're doing right now, try something else until you figure it out, you know? Um, yeah. But again, so sense, sense of fulfillment, you're right, is progression. Um, and no matter what you do, the gym and stuff like that, you know? And it, all, it will always happen in your life. And this is what I tell people. A lot of people, are, they ask me this question as well. They, are, like, they ask me, like, what's a tr- like, I tell people that triggers happen in your life, which enables you to go in different paths. And they, people always ask me, what's my trigger? Hmm. My trigger for me, really simple. Um, when people tell me I can't do it. Yeah. No, that's because I've been always in that situation since I've been a kid. Like, Kimmy can't do it. Kimmy can't do it. I'm like, yeah, I can do it. You know, and I've always overcome it to do it. You know, getting into banking and to do my master's stuff. I did it. I did it. You know, overcame it. People, you can't. You can't get into this uni. Like, I can. You know, and then yeah. like you know, and then that's the thing. And then the the other thing, um, but I would say, um, is that like, yeah, just just really enjoy also the part about um, in terms of the, in terms of the triggers. Like, the second trigger I would say is that like, um, what enables you to think differently? You know, because people have different triggers. So my, my first trigger, as I mentioned before, was like people tell me I can't do stuff. The other trigger that people tell me was like black swan events, you know, like you have mm. to adapt to it. Breakups is a trigger, yeah, really strong trigger. Yeah. Um, because of your comfort bubble, losing a job is a trigger. You know, these are all different triggers you need to identify in your, in your life, how they shaped you, you know? Mm. Um, and a lot of people don't understand triggers really well. Like, yeah, I think one like mindset thing that I've, got better at when coming from like a really bad place I was in like a few months ago is like trying to view triggers like that or like life events as like shit happening for you rather than to you and I know it's like very Tony Robbins-esque and stuff but it's very useful yeah it is because if and obviously it's not applicable to everything like if you fucking ran in front of a car and got hit and broke your leg and it could have been avoided <laughs> it's probably not the same but like I think people deep down know when like your your gut usually knows whether it's a relationship or like you know a business went bad like, like mine did and then then you start something new like you usually know if something's right for you yeah. like 
there's some weird fact about like gut instinct having like three million more neurons or something than like us thinking about something yeah yeah because it's a weird one but yeah everything that's happened in my life like when I thought oh that, oh, that was sad or whatever like my gut instinct probably knew it was the right thing to happen I like break up yeah choosing a certain new venture to work on like you know deep down and yeah I, th- I think you just gotta fucking trust yourself but you need to also be like self-aware like yeah, a lot of people are not hard. they're not probably like self-aware of things I realise that like they just they just do it on the go I mean a lot of my friends are self-aware because like I mean fortunate to like live in like a place where like there's a lot of like people doing important stuff mm-hmm. but in general you know like I just see a lot of people just yeah just not just not understanding what they're good at, not understand that just like, you yeah, know, just not being truthful for themselves. Yeah. And then when trigger events happen, they didn't really, you know, say it's a trigger event. They go, like, oh, that happens. And I just did this instead. Yeah. You know? um, it's interesting that. Yeah. I feel like I've definitely become very self-aware. Yeah. yeah. But it happens over time. It happens through like good and bad shit happening and then time and age and reflection. And yeah, I don't know. I really think like, that everyone should just have like when really like bad stuff happened to you like really sit down and think about who you deeply are as a person like what like being truthful for yourself always at what you're very good at and you know you're good at how you can use how, how you can use that to then do multiple things if it's not a venture then like maybe a new job or like new activity yeah but that that, that deep self-awareness i think you should have it on a constant basis like you know, like self-reflection every like, I would say like, you know, every quarter, like, you know, when you have the time to be by yourself. And like, this is what I, I usually tell people, like I'm the type of guy, I love being around people, but I never took like being lonely for granted. Like, I always took lo- being lonely, like, well, I want to say about that. I've always um, seen people that have like been lo- alone as like mm. something like I'd, I'd, I would hate to be in that position because I always like to be around people. Yeah, I'm the same to be fair. And, and what I was just like, I was like, now that I'm alone for once in my life with the whole COVID thing situation happening and then I was just like let's just sit down and just kind of process what's happening right now that was the first time I self-reflected on myself and I realised mm. that like, I was like dude is this what I want where do I want to be and I wrote things down watched tons of YouTube videos like tons of TEDx talks wrote those things down and then keep writing things down and I did that for like so long during the pandemic and every time I did that you know came up with new ideas all the time like that's who you are really. Yeah. You know? Um, and that helped out a lot. And a lot of people don't have the time to stop and to self-reflect. And like, Yeah, you definitely need to like sit with your thoughts now and then. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I'm the same. Like I naturally thrive off being like, I like having conversations and shit, which is why I do the podcast. It's like therapy for me. And then, yeah, like when I was younger, I used to hate being like by myself. I don't know, I like, felt lonely because I probably couldn't deal with my own thoughts. But then... I've got better at that and like yeah you are right you, you need to fucking listen to yourself when you're alone and when you don't have you know third party inputs and that's when you come up with the best ideas and figure out you know what you want to do yeah because yeah and that's the thing with like relationships and shit like this if you're in a relationship with like the wrong person which obviously we both were hence yeah. why exes whatever and a lot of people have been you never have the time to fucking think for yourself, especially if you like live with them or whatever. Um, but it's the same with like friend groups. Yeah. I, like, fucking hell, I'm going on a very long tangent, but like, I've come to realize that my most valuable asset in life is the people I know. And like, again, it's the stuff I get questions about all the fucking time on DMs. How do you have such a good circle, blah, 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 all your mates are entrepreneurs. 
and yeah like 95% of them are apart from like my brother and mates from home which <laughs> isn't that many anymore and it's like fuck I mean it comes from like an initial trigger which yeah. for me was going to an event and meeting two of them and then I met their friends and yeah, you know, yeah. put, put yourself out there like if you fucking sit with no social media profile and you know sit in your fucking flat by yourself complaining that you don't know anyone then you're not going to meet people yeah I don't know it's just yeah and I've realised how I'm like how fortunate I am to know the people I do at the age I do I guess and like we have a lot of like mutual friends and shit and yeah yeah that they're all on the same page I guess e- even in different ventures and stuff but yeah, yeah I don't know where I'm going with that but yeah I guess that's also a super important thing if you're, if you're around the wrong people you never get the time to figure out that maybe that's not you or you want to do something else because you're influenced by other people's yeah no literally life is too fast I've yeah. realised life is way too fast these days yeah so much going on like after this podcast I need to go to dinner then to an event I don't yeah. have time to breathe you know and then like and most people have this like people like, because life is going too fast people consume things TikTok that kind of stuff and you know, people don't stop just stop for like mm. one day one weekend sit down go to the park um, open up that pad watch a bunch of YouTube self-reflective videos on TEDx it does help it's kind of yeah, cheesy yeah. but it does no, help it because does. they do they do talk like you know a lot of relevance yeah um, speak to as many people as you can from different circles because they have different thinking different thinking is great uh, like the if your entourage is like like I mean full entrepreneurs is great full of corporates is great mm. but if your entourage is a lot of different people yeah. from different aspects of life they come in with different ideas and because they come in with different ideas you're able to then self reflect on yourself and look at the different opportunities that are out there and, be, and if you're a creative person you can either mix things together yeah. speak to different people um, but it all goes down to the root and this is crazy the way I see it is trigger self-reflection and then action you know? that's so interesting yeah I've never actually really heard anyone talk about the, the trigger but it's so true that, that's a really good way of putting it literally if you ask them what's your trigger like, what do you mean I'm like you know like how life happens it is a set of triggers and like you just said yeah trigger thoughts action literally yeah, um, I like that and, and yeah um, and I just realised from that point like you know like where I am right now compared to all my friends you know like back at school and at uni like they've gone to like crazy places and doing crazy stuff you know but mm. like you know I remember like when I was like in my mid-twenties growing up, I was just like, looking at it going, I have to be like them and you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, because it's pressure. And like, maybe loads of entrepreneurs, maybe you look at you and like make me look at other people, oh, I want to be like them and just be yourself. Be yourself, yeah, you know. you fucking agree. Exactly. And, it, and you know, money, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, like it's just, it's just a facade, you know, happiness by being by yourself, you know, understanding who you are and obviously those triggers enables you to like, you know, uh, like, forecast a lot of things down, mm. down the line you know um, and this is why for me this is, this is like ironic I'm like are breakups that bad after all <laughs> you know like yeah facts they're horrible but I wouldn't be here today if like some of these breakups didn't happen you know that's yeah. one thing and then the other thing would be like a black swan events oh, they're, they're pretty bad you know? they're pretty bad for most people they're really bad you know yeah. but they, they shake they, things they, up Exactly, but if you're a person that can adapt to things after a trigger really well, yeah, and just you know, you know, taking critics and don't take it as a criticism, but like take it more as like you know, like a motivational thing, you know, then you're you're really good the way you are in life, you know. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people have self doubt on like you know 
people criticize people and like well, when these triggers happen and stuff like that you know mm. but that, that's why I see it <laughs> yeah for super interesting we could probably if we had I feel like if I, if I had red wine we'd be going on for three hours as well this is a sober one for me it's fucking philosophical yeah I want to wrap up with a question I ask everyone now and I feel like you'll give a very good answer um, if you give yourself three bits of advice going back to I don't know maybe when you're 18 something just about life entrepreneur, entrepreneurship whatever what would they be on reflection three best bits three best bits of myself if I had to do it more um, do not care about what people think about you like do not do not like um, in one hand uh, like first thing don't portray yourself as someone that you're not and don't think about it from a different perspective about how people look at you from that point you know um, it's really important to understand that you are who you are you know, and don't be, you know, fake. And if people, if you try to be some someone who, who you're not just to make people happy, like that fight club bullshit, you know, mm. and also um, caring about because, you know, you're that person, people love you because you're that person, just don't care about that stuff. You know, people get in this, uh, at the age of 18, like too much into this kind of stuff because of social media and because yeah. of like being cool at school and stuff like that. It doesn't mean anything whatsoever when you grow up. Um, and you 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 then lose a lot of insights on things that you probably would like you know be good at down the line. <laughs> so that's the first thing I would say. Like just don't, don't really care about what people you know yeah, think yeah. about you, and like don't be like a fake person. And the second thing I would say is just that like watch YouTube videos. <laughs> YouTube videos are great. Mm. They're a great source of knowledge. Yeah. Um, uh, you can literally find anything on the internet. But YouTube is the best thing because I'm a guy who likes watching videos and I yeah. take, take notes and like like diagrams and stuff like that. They bring great ideas, you know? Um, and the third thing is, is have the most, like, uh, an entourage that's, like, you know, full of people. Mm. Like, just something, like a plethora of, like, different characters, personalities, you know, just, like, um, and and different people from different backgrounds and ideas and concepts. Because my advice to a lot of people there is that, like, if you're operating once more in the Red Ocean, you will see that, like it's going to be really hard to like scale at one point. Yeah. But if you're able to speak to loads of people, have good friends, not only do you get contacts in different places in life, but you're able to like put together ideas, which enables you to create new innovations, new ideas, new ways of thinking, new ways of doing, mm. uh, which will like enable you as an entrepreneur to, um, you know, be faster creating new products and services, you know? And that's why I would say the three, the first two are kind of, <laughs> no, it's good. Two already, but yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Super interesting. This was a fucking interesting episode. Def- I think probably the most varied story and background we've had from <laughs> all 35-ish guests now. But yeah, fucking hell. Um, yeah, you- you've seen some shit. You've seen some parts of life. But I- we'll-, we'll wrap it up there because I feel like we've needed them two hours, which actually might really? wow, okay. flies by. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, as usual, if-, if you're enjoying the pod, subscribe, recommend it to a friend. We're actually growing quite well. Like The amount of messages I get now off the pod people saying it's like changed their life and shit it's mad um <laughs> which is yeah definitely mot- motivates me to keep doing them so yeah as usual drop a like drop a comment subscribe and we'll see you in the next one cheers for watching cheers. Cheers.